This week's guest, it feels a little a little weird to call him a guest because he's been a friend of mine for a long time, somebody I've gotten to work with thing, work on projects with. Uh, but I wanted him to come on and plug this because his uh, his documentary, Don't Fall in Love with Yourself, has been all over the country and is now available on streaming, now available on physical media. And uh, he is beyond a filmmaker. He is a photographer. He's an author. He does everything. And uh, but today we're specifically going to focus on that documentary. Please welcome uh, the founder of Turnstile Films, John Nix, to the show. How are you, man? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. It is weird to do a formal <laughs> intro yeah, <I> <laughs> with you. <laughs> um, so, so we've been friends for how long have we been? How long have you and I known each other now? Since like 2015, 2012. I, I was gonna, it, it we're, we're we're around a decade at least probably yeah. and um yeah. to watch the things that you've done leading up to this like I mean you've had you've had an insane year yeah it's been pretty exhausting <laughs> I, I, in like, a good way time, you know. in a good way but every time I see like I'm like oh that's great and I'm like fuck he's got another thing <laughs> <laughs> uh, which you're probably like yeah fuck I got another thing yeah yeah. <laughs> They just keep showing up, and I don't want to say no. So no, no, you can't say no. <laughs> uh, give everybody a little bit of a rundown on everything that's happened over the last twelve to eighteen months for you. Uh, so back in winter of twenty twenty two, we premiered at Sound and Scene Film Festival in Minneapolis. Uh, mm-hmm. This is really great music based film festival that has everything from like you know different music documentaries. Like we played alongside like the Elephant Six documentary. Uh, that's kind of finally showing a bunch of streaming now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Tar was playing, like last year they had like Sound of Metal play. So it's like a whole music themed festival. Um, and they do a really great job up there. As, and since then, we've basically been doing this like almost like roadshow release of this yeah. where, uh, you know, we don't have like an official distribution company that can just get us into like actual theaters. Um, so we just did a sort of call for, Hey, does anyone want to host a screening of this at like a micro cinema or a DIY venue or whatever, whatever, whatever space would want to play it. Um, so we've had a lot of luck doing it that way. Uh, we, Mm -hmm. we played in St. Vitus in New York. We played in brain dead studios in LA. Uh, we played down in Dallas. Um, Stin from Chapile hosted a screening out in, uh, Oklahoma city. So it's been pretty crazy. It's been insane to watch and it's exciting to watch because I got to see an early cut of this and it was still like in progress when you sent it to me. Mm-hmm. And I, even that I was just like, I was so blown away because you got, you got, I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of, you know, restriction on it, but you basically got kind of like unmitigated access to everything. Like, it, oh, it yeah. seemed I mean, like you, he opened the doors to you on this. Yeah, yeah. I, there really wasn't um, any, it, there were kind of no boundaries on it. I mean, like, the first thing he said to me after he agreed to do the documentary was like, okay, well, what do you need from me? And I was like, do, if you have any archival B-roll, like VHSs, any DV tapes, like any tour footage, whatever, whatever you have, like, would be super helpful. And he just immediately mailed me this enormous box of VHS and mini DV tapes. And so, like, I just immediately was entrusted with like the three one G hives. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I was like holding those things. Like 
I didn't have white gloves on, but I really had that feeling of like, I'm, yes. I have some sort of like ancient manuscripts that I can't let anything happen to. So you've been asked this question a million times and I'm not going to ask you that. I rather, I want to take it from a different angle. Um, why was it so in, but we're talking about a very niche thing in, in subculture with three, one G with the locust and everything revolving around Justin's world. What, what made you want to document this? Why was this important for you to go, fuck, I, I got to make a film out of this because people need to see this. Um, the, the short answer is, uh, cause no one else had, um, mm-hmm. and I had kind of waited for that for a little while. Cause <clears throat> you know how you block your own shot. I, there's, there's a lot of me that was like, well, who the fuck am I to do that? You know, I, yeah. I'm just like a fan that's paid attention for years. Yeah. Uh, like there's gotta be someone more qualified to do this in like San Diego or LA or whatever. And like, yeah. no one kept doing it and it kept going like, you know, every, everyone's aging, getting older. And like, yeah. I finally was just like at a moment where I was looking for a passion project and I was just like, now's the time to do it. Um, yeah. But as far as like why I think it's important, um, for myself personally, it really opened a lot of a, a lot of doors for me aesthetically. It's definitely my gateway to understanding and appreciating jazz. And um, and there's there's a dichotomy with the music that I think is like the sweet spot as a person that really loves art and thinking about art and talking about art. Yeah, where it's highly uh, technical but it's not pretentious about it. And that's like a very rare thing. A lot of yes. times uh, there, there are plenty, you know, I can't listen to prog rock. Like it's just, it's too, I can feel the math inside of the music and yes. it's not, it's not governed by like the emotion of what it's doing, where I feel yeah. like this is something that does that, where it's like, they're casually just playing the most insane parts and they're just like being snot, snotty brats about it like yes. while they're doing it. Um, and so that was really appealing to me as like in a perspective on art. Yeah. And I, I do think there's, I think the differentiating factor is because of, you know, using the locust as the prime example um, of, of a band that like clearly steeped into heaviness, like heavy chaotic music, but it was completely void of the tough guy macho thing that often plagues hardcore and heavy music. I think there's a better balance than there's ever been. Oh, for sure. When you look at, you know, 20 plus years ago, that wasn't the case. And for them to, for, for those guys to create that sort of music at that time and, and do it in a way that was like, it it is artistic. It is coming from a completely different angle. But there's also no there's it there's no pretense to it. It is not it's not trying to be it's not trying to be self-important. And it adds that that aesthetic because you and I have a lot of similar tastes in that regard. We you and I share movies back and forth because we both love the artistic element while liking trash. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that there's a I think there's a large chunk of that built within the entire 31G universe yeah yeah i think it never um it never gets to the point where it under like part of the reason why it's called don't fall in love with yourself is uh justin is very self-effacing and i he sort of is like allergic to uh 
like buying into his own legend. Um, Like as we've been doing all of these Q and A's, he's been very much like, well, it's not just me. It's the entire scene. It's all these other bands. It's all these other people that were also having the same, the same perspective as me, these same ideas, how to approach it. And, uh, and I think that you can feel that in the music where like, it's not gatekeeping. It's not, I don't know, King, King Crimson or something where, you know, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's just yeah. going to shit, shit all over you for like possibly missing one aspect of it or something like right. that. Um, sorry, going hard in on Prague. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that, I think that that's, that's cool. Right. Is like you do something special and then you don't reward yourself for it. Like if people want to apply to you, then like accept yeah. the compliment, but, but yeah, yeah. Don't like sniff your own farts about it. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely something you, you can obviously connect with and I can connect with of like on a different scale, having created things that people engage and then you get feedback, but then Monday you're at work. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. So like, you know, there's fucking duality and reality that will immediately sink in two days later in your life. And a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's there's another documentary that I'm working on right now that I can't really say much about, um, but we're kind of in the later stages of, of, of the edit that I'm working on for my friend's movie. Um, and one of the guys in it talks about that, where he's like, you might have the best night of your life, but at the end of the day, like, you have to clock in. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, yeah. that's just, like, that's how it is. And, like, you need to understand that, like, just because you feel proud of this one thing doesn't mean that there isn't just, like, you know, bills to pay at the other end of it. Right, right. Does with with Justin and with the legacy of of music and art that's come with him, be it the label, be it his own bands, and but you know everything built around that. Um, he's like you said, he's not the type of guy that's a, that's blowing himself. So when you're out there and you, you're you know you you guys are screening this documentary, he's there doing Q and As. How is he dealing or how is he reckoning with whether whether he likes it or not? He there's a folk hero uh in him that has impacted a lot of people. How is he doing? Well, how is he processing that? Because you're seeing it firsthand. Yeah, I mean, you know, some I mean, sometimes I feel like he can be hard to read when we're just like sitting around waiting for the movie to be over. I, you know, I can't yeah. tell if he's like nervous about it or if he's bored or tired or like what, you know, what, cause we all have sure. been traveling to do these. Um, but as far as like it, when we're in it and when we're talking to the crowd and then afterwards when everyone filters out into the lobby and then you go yep. and talk to everybody, uh, he's like always grateful that like anyone cares. Um, so he, he'll take time to talk to anybody that's there for him. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it's always weird for you to have like, be interacting with a piece of media that's specifically about you and your biography and the idea of you. Um, so I wouldn't underestimate that being uncomfortable for him, but, uh, he's definitely like not, um, I don't think there's any big battle inside of him. It's just like, you know, I'm here. I said I would be here. I'm happy to be here because I'd like to talk to these people about it. And if it means like uncomfortably sitting through the end of the movie about me, uh, you know, every time then like, that's, that's the price to pay for it. Yes. And, and that is literally, uh, you know what anybody it you know working in the dock that's attending or part of the q and a's you're sitting through an entire movie that's talking about something you did that's, mm-hmm. that's a weird vibe i'm sure um when you're going through all this footage 
was there anything that you like? I mean, there had how many? I, there had been countless moments where you're watching this stuff, going, "I cannot believe this this happened." Like there, there was enough brushing up against. Like I remember there being like a, a it, it was that thing where people were like, you'd catch word online of like a celebrity showing up, and seeing bands like that, it always seemed so fucking weird to me. But mm-hmm. but also like it doesn't surprise me because it's this cultural thing that people are discussing. Was there anything that you came across going through all that footage that you're like, Holy shit. I like, I never, not in a million years would I have considered these worlds crossing paths. Um, I, I feel like the closest is like Andrew WK. Like there's, there's a small little sure. section where, where they're talking about sort of, they kept jumping on tours where they just like absolutely didn't belong. Like they opened for the yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that audience just fucking hated them. Yeah. Uh, even though everyone in those bands was great friends, like he's known yep. Nick Cinder forever. And like, you know, they talk constantly. And so like, uh, so, so I just felt like Andrew WK was like a very, like a good, like a surprisingly good choice. Like I feel like Andrew WK's audience is there to have fun and they're willing to be challenged. And, uh, I, they're they're usually a positive audience. That's not going to be like defensive about uh, an an opener that might not appeal immediately to whoever they sure. are. Um, yeah. So yeah, when I started just like seeing footage pop up of them like hanging out backstage and like Andrew WK just has like one of their like locust masks on and they're all just kind of like sitting in in the green room like in chairs hanging out. I was just like, oh, okay, this is weird. <laughs> that that's super weird. <laughs> but I love when you know like. Well, like right now you have somebody like Post Malone that is that is actively talking about military gun and mm-hmm. scowl and gel in interviews and fucking name dropping them on massive podcasts and wearing their shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. That that seems like it's it is odd, but it is also like it's exciting to see a small section of this this subculture get noticed. And yeah. like and I think these guys were, I think what was going on out there was wholly different than everything else that was occurring in music, but still for, for people to take notice of what they're doing, like you're creating some incredible art. If, if, if it's reaching those, those sort of levels, I would think. Yeah. Uh, one second, let's just cut here real quick. I'm going to steal this box from my cat. Cause he's trying. Yeah. To no, you're to totally fine. No, it's totally <laughs> fine. But yeah, uh, one, I think it's cool that Post Malone's doing that. I think that people in those positions um, don't let their taste shine enough, especially if they have good taste uh, like yeah. that. And like, yeah, things like wearing a t-shirt on like when you go be interviewed on a late night show or something like that can just like break things wide open for people. Yeah. So whenever I see that happen, I'm, I'm always stoked on it, no matter who it is. Um, but yeah, and I've said it a lot uh, through like the Q and A's where like, I do think what the Locust did uh and uh, really any of those three and G bands has way more to do with what's going on in hardcore right now than what was going on like 15, yeah. 20 years ago. Um, yeah. It's just a completely different landscape. That's so much more inclusive and so much more interesting. And like the fact that there's so much cross pollination between all the genres, like, yeah, just is like, it's one, it's so exciting to see in shows, but on the other hand, and you know, it's like, you can't give, everyone all the credit there's a ton of environmental issues as far as like how media is consumed now that has changed it but i do think they deserve some credit for 
being one of the first bands to sort of like step out and do what people are now doing. Sure. Sure. And if you like, I liken it to, you have somebody like Walter Schreifels who has inadvertently become this figurehead of, of New York, right. Of the mm-hmm. New York world to a degree uh, where, you know, he, he's kind of the, the, <laughs> the guy that's telling the campfire stories in the same way that Ian is, you know, for DC and discord. I do think that that's kind of what this documentary is showing is this is another, this is another version of that. Yeah. That is the culmination of the previous scenes while also being located on the other side of the country with different influences and different, and the culture is different. And I, like, I see it the same way do to someone like Justin and everyone it, within that world's view it in a similar sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think regionality really plays a role in this. I think it, it it matters less and less uh, because the internet's sort of flattening everything. Yep. It's like how you, yeah. it's like how you lose, you go to New York and you don't hear any accents because everyone in New York is from like Indiana now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's sad when you lose that sort of like regional difference, uh, difference because uh, it is sort of its own insular culture. Um, but I think that's what makes it interesting. Like, I think that like niche movements that kind of pop up, and blow up for yeah. a few years and then go away are, are really interesting. Like given like all, a lot of people that were in three, one G at that point are still making music now. Right. Um, right. But, 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 you know, it evolves and it changes and people age. And so your tastes differ and like, and you're, you can only push your body so hard. I mean, when you're doing like <laughs> screeching, screeching wretch, super fast vocals, I don't know that you can do that for the rest of your life. You got a shelf life. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think all that stuff is, is, is really cool. I'm, you know, around the same time that I was finding 3-1-G, I also got really into Saddle Creek. Uh, and that's kind of the same, like, what was in the water yep. moment where it's like, yep. oh, 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 Jenny Lewis and Tim Kasher and Connor Oberst, it, it, like, and all these other people were just like brilliant all at once and yep. just happened to all find each other in the same city in the middle of nowhere. I'm fascinated when it's a city, you know? Like, yeah. Like there's uh there there's in the in the same sense that the same thing happened in Louisville. There was, you know, this punk and hardcore scene that popped out popped up out of Louisville, Kentucky. And some of these people are still playing in bands. And it, like you, there's some of those bands like Elliot that do a reunion and it's a big deal. And it was a city that you know there's so much cross-pollination. These bands end up so incestuous because there's only so many people to pick from, but mm-hmm. they all have their own, they've all put their own imprint on music. And like, I think Saddle Creek's a great example. And I think, you know, 3-1-G obviously, but there's the other cool thing that comes from that is you get so many different types of bands out of this one scene that it's big, but it's not, it's not big. It's, yeah. it's comprised of a city. It's not big. Yeah, it, it's not only is it just a city, but a lot of times it's just like, oh, the bassist in this band does violin in this band. Yes. Keyboard in this band does whatever. You know, I think the other thing with that too, especially when you're talking about like a small insular city is like, it uh, it feels like it forces people to become uh, broader in their, in their tastes. So they're more versatile. So there's more spots they can fill. Yeah. Uh, where like, I do feel like in, a place like LA or something like that, you could probably still be like, Oh, I'm a guitarist. That's what I do. You know? Yeah. 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 
and I it 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 also does kind of blow you away too when you realize like you you get from being in the Locust to also playing in a band with a, the dude from Slayer. Like mm-hmm. that's such a if you're the kid in the Locust, you're like this is fucking nuts, right? Yeah. That I am you know, in a band with this dude, but also there is a through line because heavy music has a fan base that like, for the most part, likes to consume as much different shit as possible. And at, like, I, I, I just, I find after watching, rewatching the documentary, he's a fascinating guy because he's also like, he never assumed anything. Like there was no, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't assuming success. He wasn't assuming failure. He just was creating and, and other people carried the same mentality all at once. It's a very like cool lightning in a bottle. moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can say from, you know, working with him to put this out, like one, it's already crazy that he wants to be involved. I mean, a lot of times people yeah. are just like, okay. Yeah, I let you make a movie on me. Leave me alone now. And right. Like, <laughs> like I, I gave you my story. Like, what the fuck else do you want? Uh, where like he's he's been like totally down. Like I we've since we put it up on streaming, we've gotten a couple offers to do some cool stuff. And yeah. it, like you know, I was like, okay, okay. I mean, I thought we were kind of done after the LA screening. It felt like it kind of like culminated up sure. after it. He's like, no, nah, let's do it. Let's like this seems like it'll be cool. It has this guy involved. It has this thing, you know. And so like. So we're gonna do some more stuff with it, um, and it's and it's really cool to see him just sort of be down for everything. Uh, he's very much um, a yes man in like the most possible way. Where like he again, he doesn't take it lightly when people offer him things, and he he likes to seize on opportunities. Yeah, especially it seems like if he is not sure how it will go. Um, right, and I think that has to do with like making the kind of hyper specific music that, that he he's always made. Where. Uh, it's either going to work or it won't. And it's either going to find its audience or it won't. And so yep. like, you can't, he's not going it into it with the mentality of like, Oh man, this is going to go fucking platinum. It's going to be, is this going to yeah. be, and like, is it going to lead to cool experiences? You know? Right. Right. And I think I, 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 what I like about that too, is you're making like pretty transgressive and confrontational music. And like, it's not like you said, it's either going to find its audience or it's not. This is not, mm-hmm. this isn't something that you're just like, yeah, it's okay. Like it doesn't work <laughs> that way with music like this. So to, to have that, like that approach to art while also being open to, yeah, yeah. If you want to make this documentary, I'll, I will gladly help and participate in it beyond, like you said, I let you tell my story. Now fucking leave me alone. Do the press yourself. <laughs> He's yeah. willing to go out there and have these conversations with people. And mm-hmm. I I think that is a like I think that just continues to like show more layers of who he is, but also like again, like further cements him as this kind of there's a folk hero aspect to his legacy, I think. And I think this movie kind of encapsulates that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um I I think he's rare. As an artist, especially as people get more and more careerist about everything, I think that there's um, there's a way you sort of have to present yourself and your process now that um, doesn't allow for the building of like legend anymore. Yeah, um, sure. And it doesn't, uh, and it's so and it's so efficient that like you, there's no room to to play around and to do things that are unsafe because it's just like you know, you only have this much money to do this thing and like, that's right. it. you can't right. risk anymore. And there's no space to do any of it. 
Right. Um, and everyone's just like trying to make rent. So like, yeah, from, from <laughs> sort of, if not the last one of the last eras where like you could have a little bit of space to fuck around and you didn't have to like be on TikTok every day showing like your meal plan in like your mansion or whatever, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. it's just very strange to me. Uh, and like no shade against like, um, like Megan, like Megan the Stallion or something like that. I, I'm a huge fan of her, but at the same time, when I see her pop up on apps and it's just her like cutting zucchini in her kitchen or something, I'm just like, what the fuck? Why do I need to see this? Like, I like it better when I know you through concerts and albums yes. and music videos. Like, it just like you're demystifying it to the point that it's uninteresting. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I agree entirely, and I I, I think. It, it is weird, like you said at the beginning of this, like it's weird how people consume media now. That's media that they consume. Yeah. Watching Megan the, the Stallion cut fucking zucchini. And like the thing is, like, we're all like, oh shit, weird, it's Meg. And you watch, yeah. and then like the rational part of your brain's like, what are you doing? Like, what yeah. what do you care? I don't care. Why do I care? It's mm-hmm. it it yeah, it's it's a weird way to consume shit. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's only feeding into the more par- like parasocial aspects of how we're yeah. consuming stuff. And then yeah. on top of that, it's just like it's that like please don't forget about me, please don't forget about me, please don't forget about me. Of <laughs> yeah. of like, and you know, I get it. I mean, there's a t- there's a ton of distractions. People only have so much time. They only have so much money, and so you have yep. to stay in their purview all the time. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there have to be more creative ways than just like revealing. <sighs> the monotonous everyday parts of people's lives like, yes, ad, yeah. ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, for you as a filmmaker, uh, how do you build this story? Did you have a, obviously not a, a you know, a, a complete narrative that you, you had in mind, but did you have a rough idea of what you wanted this story to look like? Did it stay with that? Did it change entirely? What's, what is that? How do you tackle that as a filmmaker? Um, yeah, it, it changed, uh, because like, that's just how docs work. I mean, like you can try to control it, but it's just gonna, it's going to yeah. shape shift. Like the second you do another interview, it's different. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the first year was just, uh, we flew him out. He, we did this, all day interview that was like a full, I don't remember how long, but like six to eight hours, like probably if you like count breaks and everything. And we went over everything. And I had a, I had a guide because he has a really great memoir that he wrote uh, that everyone should read uh, almost as like a companion piece with a doc called uh, oh. from the, from the graveyard of the arousal industry. Um, and so I knew a lot about him. I mean, I already read a ton of articles too. And so I kept up with everything going on uh, that was at least public. Um, and so, like, it's like, okay, cool. I, I have a ton of information to build this out on. And then he gave me all those tapes. And so it was just another months of just <laughs> importing mm-hmm. these tapes, logging it, yeah. figuring out everything that's in it. And initially, it was around the time that that Amanda Knox documentary had come out. And the way that documentary is built is it's just, like, one straight-on interview with Amanda Knox talking about the media circus around this, like, supposed crime she had done. Right. Uh, and it was and it was just her in archival footage, and I like that's kind of how I was going to approach it. But as we kept going through the stories, it, it's just like it was obvious where it's just like, well, I need to talk to Eric yeah. from Airborne Radar. I need I need to talk to Gabe. I need to talk to all these people because yep. it, it will be a better movie ultimately to hear all these other voices and really understand it from a community aspect and not just from him. Yeah, but yeah. but that said, I as self-effacing as he wants to be, I don't think he understands like how much of a figurehead he is to that community. I, I mean, yeah. I think yeah. 
he's so he's so detail oriented and he's so good at like keeping track and organizing everything. And I think a lot of those other people may have not had the tools to accomplish what they did without someone kind of manning the ship for everyone and being like, no, 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 let's put it over here. Let's do this thing with it. And like, let let me like as much of a pain in the ass as it can be, like, let me like guide this whole thing through this thing and then like see what we can make happen, you know? And the fact that he had like the wherewithal in that moment to know, like I can, I can steer the ship. I can, I can help, help, like kind of build these silos for for these creative people to work within, and you don't you don't ever engage in something like that thinking you're building some legacy. Mm-hmm. But it I is. I think he would reject the idea of legacy. I, I don't think I've talked to him about yeah. it, but I think he would. Um, he would like the word. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, there's there's a line that he has in the doc that that I love that I I just I stool where I I'll, I'll use it in conversation with people. Um, that I think really encapsulates sort of like, like the DIY method where he was talking about like trying to get, you know, seven inches of his bands put out and just these like garbage labels, not doing anything with it, like not presenting it correctly, not wanting to spend any extra money on like making the presentation interesting. So maybe they could sell more copies by actually getting attention. Uh, and he, he just goes, I could do that at least that bad or better. And so like, <laughs> I think that that's, I think that's how people need to think about it when they're approaching wanting to do anything, uh, especially if they're just starting out. Like, don't worry about being like, oh, I'm going to make a Star Wars movie. Like, you're not. You don't have the you're not. Uh, but if you can, like, watch some, like, zero-budget movies and go, well, I can do at least that bad. Yeah. Like, at, very, at the very least, I think I can hit this low watermark and maybe then grow from there. I think that that's yeah. a great way to think about it. Because I do think incredible. people get sucked up in legacy all the time, especially when you're young. Yeah. I think it's easy to just be like, I want to be Kubrick. I want a perfect filmography. I yep. want a perfect body of work. And it's just like, you're just going to... Kubrick fucked up his own career doing that. Like, we got like six <laughs> movies out of him. It's, it's a crime. <laughs> yeah. Especially knowing how many he developed and then just abandoned after like two years of development. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I yeah. taking more shits, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I would have preferred having a several three star Kubrick movies <laughs> yes, as opposed yeah. to, you know, as opposed yeah. to having none of them come to fruition. So. Exactly. Look, I, uh, when you have guys like, like Brian De Palma, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, mm-hmm. that's some duds in there. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, because of him passing, I, uh, I've been going back through all freak and stuff and it's like, yeah, there's plenty of duds, yeah. there, but it's like yep. for every, you know, for every Jade or rampage you have like, a killer Joe or an yep. exorcist where it's just like, yeah, yep. it's, it's fine. It's fine to have those speed bumps in your career. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I think where, I think that's what makes it, it makes artists like this more interesting because they know at that, at, at the very least they're taking a risk mm-hmm. <laughs> at worst. It, it will be, uh, it'll be on fire the second the whole thing <laughs> takes shape. And mm-hmm. working within that to create something is a terrifying place to exist. So there's some bravery and insanity that comes with the willingness to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And but and like, you know, we talked about like how he would reject the idea of legacy, but I can't think of a better way to really look at what people like him have done. You know, like th- this is yeah, a legacy. Yeah. You're creating potentially multiple generations of 
of of artists who find this and want to take something from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's definitely a musician's musician too. Like, yes. you, know, he, you know, he's not the most well-known person. He's not selling out, you know, 3000 cap halls. Um, but like you bring him up to like younger hardcore bands or you bring up any of those bands that he was involved with, even bands he's not in like blood brothers or whatever. Like yeah, all the kids in the, in these new bands are just like, Oh yeah, no, those guys fuck. Like they, everyone knows all the lore. Everyone knows all the crazy yep. stories. And yep. so, so just by being that thing, um, you know, the way Iggy pop was early on or, or any, anyone like, you know, yep. I think, I think the lore making is almost more important than the music in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, th- I do think that's where, uh, like we're, we're seeing, we're seeing something similar happen right now for, for whatever reason, uh, hardcore is having a moment mm-hmm. in, in the culture and, and the cultural lexicon and how people speak and what they're into. And, um, it's fascinating to be at an, at this vantage point as someone who's older than all of this stuff mm-hmm. and, and look at it and, through the eyes, through the lens of like, holy shit, this is so exciting. There are young people that are building their own scenes and communities and subcultures. And they are, because they've had access to the internet their entire lives, they've been able to consume all of this and they know about all of this shit. And Mm -hmm. it's so fascinating because if you look at Justin and how young he was when he, he starts, you know, getting the itch to do this stuff. He was doing that with with a fraction of the tools and resources yeah. at his disposal that kids now have. It's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think about that all the time with film, where it's just like you just had to be a maniac. So what you just bought a bunch yes. of like film reels that were on exposed. <laughs> that, you know, learn how to do science, like for on like like for forty thousand dollars. Like you know, it's insane. It, like Justin materials, like like yeah. to make a movie, you know, it's, it, yeah. So it's like crazy to think how, how nuts you had to be to try to do any of yes. this stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I, I just, I think that you, you either just like have that personality or, or you, or you don't like, it's almost like, yeah, a, it's like, like, a, like a mountain climber, like your amygdala doesn't work correctly yes. or something yeah. where you're yeah. just like, well, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to book a U.S. tour at 17 or something and then just see if I can <laughs> happen to land on my feet. Yep. Yeah. If I don't die, I guess we, we did, we did it right. Yeah. Um, at any point during this, did you think, did you feel insane? Like this is fucking nuts that I, what am I doing? Like, was there ever, did you have those moments? Cause this is a lot of information that you're dissecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there, there were a few, um, I mean, meeting Gabe was kind of one of those, like, I, okay. I never knew it's like, he was, he was just so legendary in my mind and so singular as like an artist of his own right. Um, yeah, pretty absolutely. Much anyone, listen, anyone listening that doesn't know, uh, Gabe Serbian, um, was the drummer of the locust. Um, and he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's my favorite drummer of all time. Um, I think the stuff that he does is like unreplicatable. Uh, just his sensibilities are so different. And uh, when I like sat down in his house and we had like a really warm interview and a really warm conversation, then he was like talking to me afterwards. He was like really excited about it. I was just like, this is fucking weird. 
and then we kind of became friends after that, you know, like he would yeah. like text me and be really encouraging and yeah. encouraging my photography and, and, and other stuff that I was working on. And, uh, so that was one of them. I mean, one of the other ones was like when I actually got to see the locust, cause like I had never actually seen them when I started doing this. Like I'd already, yeah. missed, I'd already missed them. Um, yeah. Like they were still touring when I got into them, but I just like couldn't go to the shows or I was too broke to afford it. Or I was like, Oh, yep. they'll come back around and like that kind of thing. And then they just go on this extended hiatus at a certain point. Um, and 2019 when we were like mostly done with the movie, it suddenly yeah. he's like, Hey, we're booking some shows. <laughs> so, uh, so I flew, so I flew down to, uh, Austin on Halloween of 2019 and to, to just shoot some footage of like one of the reunion shows or like non, it's not really a reunion cause they didn't break up. It's yeah. a, back together doing yeah. the thing again shows um so i was down there when, when i was getting b-roll I, it was kind of like a it, it wasn't like a, i made this happen thing i i mean i think it was inevitable that it was going to happen regardless but um it was definitely a moment of like i felt like i was really a, a part of something special um and there were a lot of really cool people there that night uh, yeah sunny, sunny k was like hanging out so i got to like hang out and talk to sunny k that's uh, cool yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was like one of those nights where it was just like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it has to feel that way. I mean, you, you're especially seeing them and knowing like you're there working with them. Mm-hmm. And, like while also like Sonny K's in the fucking building you're in and yeah. like is actively a person you'll be able to speak with. like just that alone is a lot to wrap your head around while also going like, but I'm also here because I'm working and I'm creating art <laughs> yeah. and I have to be totally cool. <laughs> this mm-hmm. whole thing. It, uh, it, it has to also, it, it also has to feel like a sense of accomplishment, knowing like you're going to these screenings and they're well attended and the response has been really good. The amount of different types of people that I've seen mention it, like even mm-hmm. real, like I'm so proud of my friends. This is insane. I can't, I can't fathom how this has to has to feel right now for you. It, yeah, I mean it's been really cool, and like you know, there's just like been really important people in, involved with it. Um, like her and Reynolds hosted the Q and A. Um, yeah. When when we were in New York, um, a designer that I'm friends with, who I'm a big fan of, uh, Drusilla Adline, like last minute jumped on board to host it when we were in LA. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, when when you're fucking in LA, like Anthony from Ceremony showed up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like member, members of Unbroken were there. Like, it was it was just really fucking cool. And it's like I got to like be like, oh shit, it's that person. Oh shit, it's that person. Like, keep your cool, <laughs> no pressure. Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, Travis Stevens, a, a producer that I've been a fan of forever. Uh, like, yeah. You know, uh, and he like grabbed me afterwards and was just like, you did such a good job. Are you excited? I'm excited for it. And I was just like, what? The? No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, you know, with our previous documentary, it came out in 2020. And so like everyone yeah. was stuck in the house. And so all we really got to do is be like, here it is online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so this is my first chance to like really experience this thing where like you get to go to places and show it to people when we, when we showed it in Dallas, there was, there was this uh, lady during the Q and a who is super sweet, but she's like, I don't know what I walked into. I'm super religious. I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard of music like this. And I, I think I like it. And I don't know what that means. And I'm kind of like 
existentially spiraling right now. And like, it was, it was just like really cool to hear her say that. Um, and so, so yeah, it's been great. The experience has been kind of crazy across the board. Um, and I've had excuses to travel a ton this year, uh, which is great after having going through the pandemic where you just right. stop in your house for right. two years. Um, so yeah, so it's been, it's been cool. And it, what's actually been really cool about it is like, we've shown it to plenty of people like, like kind of like that, that, that woman where like, she, she didn't know about them and it still resonated with her. And like, yeah. that's, that was the biggest thing in the back of my head this entire time where like, I'm fine with losing money on a project or like it just yeah. like being a dud or like not doing well. Like I can accept that in my head, but I, I was nervous that it's just like, well, am I just doing this for myself or is like, are people going to care and right. are people going to care beyond like just the built in audience? And right. Right. I, there, I mean, there are a lot of really good letterbox reviews up right now. They're like, I didn't know anything about this band. And this is like really fucking crazy and fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's really cool. And like a huge relief that like normies are, are into it for yeah. lack of better, yeah. lack of better. Or term, even just, just people that like movies, like, yeah, don't have the, don't necessarily have the, the connection, the music connection. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's exciting to see people do as well. Yeah. Um, so with uh w- like you'd mentioned too like your previous documentary when it comes out during the pandemic it's that thing where you're like it's just out there on streaming and you're limited as far as what you can do this do you feel like this process gave it the roadshow way of doing it gave it like com- kind of a more complete story with the film yeah i mean at the very least like it it gave me a bunch of stories and it, and it gave me a bunch of connections. And so I think it's, I think it's good for that. I mean, um, one, I mean, really kind of, I bearing the lead, like one of the craziest screenings, if not the craziest screening is, uh, Joe Swanberg showed it. Yeah. Uh, at, at, at his uh, theater that he runs in Chicago. And like, that was a mind fuck. Yeah. <laughs> here's, yeah. Here's this, here's this dude. Who's like a figurehead of like the mumblecore movement. Like this movement I look up to so much in film where people made movies for nothing in their like apartments for a decade. And now, you know, it, 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 Greta Gerwig who starred in a ton of those movies is now has the number one movie in America all year. Like it's still like in the top, in, in, still in like the top five in the box office yep. every week. It's insane. Um, yeah. And it's just like, and I got to meet one of those people and he like respected me and we hung out and we talked for like three hours and like, that one's it, fucking nuts to me, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Uh, I'll tell you more <laughs> off air, but, um, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean like, that's the thing to me that makes it worth it. Like it, they're, they haven't been like great money makers, uh, you know, just cause there's sure. travel and stuff like that. But sure. uh, it's definitely, a f- we found ways to make it affordable. And so, um, so to me, even if it was a breaking even thing, the profit is, and the fact that like I built a lot of cool connections and right. uh, I've made right. some really fun relationships and uh, it makes it feel like I've, I've released something. It's not just like, I mean, that's part of why we wanted to put it out by ourselves again, regardless of yeah. like maybe possibly being able to get it out there somewhere else. Because like, I don't yeah. want to just sign it off to some indie distributor that doesn't give a shit. And then, it just gets dumped on like voodoo or something or, right. you know, yeah. Pluto, like what some, some third tier streamer site. Yeah. And like we'll, we'll never see dollar one because they'll just like claim they haven't recouped expenses for yeah, marketing of or, or whatever, you know, whatever they're going to do. Like I'd rather 
I'd rather at least like do it myself and uh, get to actually feel like something happened rather than it's yes. just, here's, here's some deliverables uploaded to the server. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> you know. Yes. No, I, and I, I think like, like you said, even with, even though it's, I mean, even if you just break even on it, it was more FaceTime with people that were actively, in most instances, actively seeking this movie out. And it, it, does create a different connection with the audience because now it's a shared experience mm-hmm. as opposed to like, you know, streaming is great. Physical media is great, but that is a unique shared experience that you don't get. You rarely get with any movie you're ever going to see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and while, you know, I think streaming has been good in a lot of ways for getting yeah. um, tiny movies that maybe people wouldn't go to an art house theater to go see in front of, yeah. in front of a broader audience. But uh, I do think there's something special about, watching a movie in a dark room with strangers. I think that that's a, it's an important like ritual thing that, that people yeah. should do uh, yeah. and do it respectfully and not be on their fucking phone the entire time. <laughs> um, but I think like making, making those, those things that create these experiences for people that'll stick with them. And they feel like, like it, it was something memorable um, and worthwhile. Like, I think yeah. that that's important and not looking at it as just like, more content to chew through so you can say like i can check this off the list i can check this off the list right right um well john i i know you got uh, you got another one of these to do and i didn't want to keep you too long and i already kept you longer than i said i was gonna oh no it's cool man uh but um before you go tell everybody i want you to tell everybody where they can where they can see this how they can see it um all, give them all the information, drop your socials. Cause you have books coming out. You have books yeah. that are out now. You have <laughs> so much shit to plug, plug away. Okay. Um, okay. You can follow me on, uh, John Nick's film and John Nick's photo, uh, on, on most sites. Uh, our production company is called turnstile films with a Y, not an I like the band. Um, <laughs> uh, the, you can follow the documentary on Instagram at, uh, don't fall in love with yourself. Doc. Uh, because we still have a ton of stuff that we're rolling out for the rest of the year. We're basically going to be pushing the stuff by doing a bunch of cool things, uh, at least through December. Um, if that's amazing, if, if it doesn't roll into next year. Um, yeah. so yeah, we still have a full, a full plate of cool stuff that's going to happen. Um, and then I run a small publishing company now called with an X, uh, where I publish, uh, indie writers and photography books. And I have some really cool stuff that I'm excited for next year. Um, so that's going to be coming out every few months on there. Uh, you can stream the movie now on VHX and Vimeo. Uh, the easiest way to get to those links is just go to turnstylefilms.com. All the links are there. And so you can follow it through that. And we still have some Blu-rays available through vinegar syndrome, but not that many. I think there's about 300 of 2000 left. Um, so, uh, they're definitely whittling down. Uh, so go grab them before they're gone. Yes. Uh, I, I think like when they're gone, they're gone. Uh, and would, I think there's still a hundred and change left of, uh, the special edition that has steak mountains art for like a special slip case. Yep. Uh, so he's an amazing artist. Uh, he's become a very good friend and, uh, I think we're going to collaborate on more stuff in the future. Uh, so definitely check out his work too. Great. Um, the documentary is called don't fall in love with yourself. Uh, I cannot tell you guys enough. This is, you're a fan of Wes is in it. <laughs> Wes is also in <laughs> oh yeah, and I am. <laughs> Cash and I are both in it. Uh, uh, but I can't tell you guys enough how the, if you are a fan of punk, of hardcore, of of 
just underground music, underground artists, and people creating something special with with nothing and and creating something unique and dynamic. This is this documentary is incredible. Stream it, buy a physical copy. The artwork on the slipcase is gorgeous. So if you're a physical media person, highly recommend picking this up from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, John, I'll have all this stuff tagged in it. Uh, this was great. I'm so excited for you, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, of course. We're gonna stop. We're gonna stop this, and I'm gonna properly say goodbye to you. So, uh, we uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Why did we ever meet? Tell it to my face. Don't wanna read it. In the dirt sheet.